everyone. Dr. Sean McAlmont here. I wanted to start this episode by talking about the fact that there's a real and compelling need to develop a young, diverse workforce that needs to be ready to participate in a rapidly changing workplace that's driven by technological advancement. And so I reference the race a lot. And, and in this case, it's a race to develop this talent um, that reflects the urgency necessary to lessen these gaps that we're currently seeing between the level of preparation of a younger generation and the job openings in certain industries that go unfilled due to a lack of ready talent. So ultimately, there is a race to develop uh, this talent as a society. You know, I, I use the reference to, to racing a lot because um, of my own athletic background where I was a track and field athlete. But also, one of my favorite stories in, in uh, the original Chicken Soup for the Soul is titled The Race. And it's a story about a young boy who enters a long-distance race. And in this race, he has a lot of trouble. He, he continually falls and has to get up. And he, he looks for his dad's face in the crowd, which helps motivate him to get up. But he falls multiple times. And for any of you who have fallen in, in this type of, of race, you realize that when you get up and try to catch the crowd, you're expending so much energy that you just you get more tired than the other runners who've been running with good good uh, momentum. So so this boy in this race has to overcome this mental discouragement and physical um, uh, wear and tear, and ultimately he falls to the back of the pack. And when he finishes the race, um, he had seen the other runners go go uh, through the finish line, and he heard the, the roar of the crowd. But as the story says, to see this young man finish in last place, you would have thought he won the race based on the uh, standing ovation and the, the, the voice of the crowd that, that he heard. And so it's just an interesting take on, on, on what finishing and winning means. But at the end of the race, he was greeted by his father. Uh, and the boy says, Dad, I didn't do too well. To which his father replies, Son, to me, you won the race because you rose each time you fell. I love this story for so many reasons. But, but today, uh, this race is a race to equip this workforce with positions that will ultimately, when connected, benefit both individuals and society. And, and we're going to have our, our share of stumbles and falls. But as a society, we really have to be ready to set goals and help people rise when they fall in this important endeavor. And then acknowledge successes along the way and help people, people continually progress. Um, the story, again, resonates with me because of my own athletic background, years of practicing and setting goals and battling injuries and discouragements, and then rising to the occasion no matter what the obstacles, when necessary. And I, I learned to transfer a lot of those athletic skills onto different life circumstances, including my career pursuits. You know, as a country, I think we've got to create a national talent pool that's going to fuel the U.S. economy long-term and provide this influx of, of knowledgeable and motivated talent to the American workplace. And this race to develop talent has to move forward aggressively for the U.S. to be competitive internationally. And in order to mobilize what's, what, what is becoming a large and more diverse population of young Americans who aren't currently prepared to participate at high levels in, a, in this rapidly changing workplace. 
So the U.S. education system, um, our competitiveness and our overall performance has declined considerably. Um, and, and when you look specifically educationally at reading and math scores and science, uh, we started to drop according to world standards. Um, colleges and universities are preparing fewer engineers than in most STEM-related careers and countries. And um, the gap between the general workforce and the fastest growing high paying jobs is widening each year. This is just a reality that we're seeing. A, a career readiness program uh, is one that introduces personal career development for students of all ages, along with their educational pursuits, which I think is absolutely a necessary um, component of preparing uh, the US workforce down the road. So as we know, technology is, is innovating and moving, and it's changing our society, and it's making this process of, of preparing the workforce more challenging um, because of the, the technical know-how that's required. Um, entire industries have been transformed because of automation. Um, services are now provided um, efficiently via the, the internet or through apps or the, with the assistance of bots while robotics is, is uh, accelerating manufacturing production times. And as consumers, we expect almost immediate speed of access as a result. So the modern workplace is changing just as fast as technology. Um, early age student learning, uh, post-secondary education, adult upskilling, on our, all segments of, of uh, these educational uh, processes have to address these realities. I think that there are going to be moments in all of our lives where uh, career training, you know, uh, will require these types of advancements and, and, and the career training that we receive will also help us face tests that we need to overcome along the way to mature in our roles. Um, you know, I, I think back to many experiences throughout uh, my life in, in my work and in career uh, development. And, um, and I think that uh, where, you know, we have to face the tests uh, that we overcome that will be technological in nature, as I just mentioned, um, but they're also uh, going to come from adversity and the need to impress someone along the way. And I just wanted to tell a personal story uh, here. I, I had a moment of, of such development and awareness way back, uh, I think it was 1993, and it was, it was uh, you know, shortly after I'd graduated, I was, I'd, I'd worked at BYU and at Stanford, and I had an opportunity to uh, move into this adult career education and um, started actually recruiting high school students to this, this college. And, um, you know, I had this moment to emerge in my career uh, where I was responsible for increasing, uh, again, high school enrollment. And um, I applied for a new job, which was a corporate role managing uh, the same function I was doing, but across all of the colleges in this system of schools. Uh, the CEO of the college system at that time was about, you know, a, a, a very um, intimidating figure. Uh, he was about 6'5", with a deep, booming voice, very eccentric, and had a reputation for being intolerant to uh, gender or racial diversity. Uh, and he was somewhat unpredictable in his actions, very, very uh, well known for firing people on the spot. 
and, and all of that in an era where there weren't as many protections around inequitable uh, behavior or treatment. Uh, and so there was also a new executive brought into the college system to help organize and manage uh, the, the, the function and was responsible for hiring this new corporate position uh, to which I was applying. I went through the interview process and I impressed this new executive and others on the interview committee and I was actually offered the job. But I believe that the new executive thought he had full autonomy to make this call but I learned later that when the CEO found out that I was actually hired for the job, he wasn't pleased. Uh, he had asked the new executive for an immediate meeting uh, with, uh, with myself. And so he invited uh, me to the corporate office in order to present myself and the plan I had for this new role. Uh, the new executive apologized and told me that I would have to essentially re-interview with the CEO, this notorious figure in the company or the system for this role. Uh, it also became clear to me that I was hired over others in the organization, some of whom were longtime favorites of the CEO. And I remember the, for the first time feeling um, an intense sense of fear and confusion. I had taken the new job and I had already been replaced in my current job at the time by someone who had been moved up in the organization. So there wasn't necessarily a place for me to return. And that was a lonely and empty feeling. Uh, in addition to facing the reality, that I was being viewed in a discriminatory way at the highest level of the organization. As a former athlete, I had enough mental memory from uh, many occasions where I had to prepare to compete in the most challenging circumstances, whether it was, it was in tough, a tough football game or running in the Olympic trials or the NCAA championships. And I share this to say that the mental preparation for such moments really requires focus, preparation, and a related sense of confidence. And so what I did um, uh, is what I always did in athletics to try to manage and imagine what the meeting would be like. Um, so I set goals for what I needed to achieve. I, I, I then would create a new plan for how I should perform based on, on a mental image of the meeting that I had envisioned. And, and I figured that if I, if I showed up and I could prove that I could solve a problem uh, or, or share something that, that that CEO didn't already know with a great corresponding solution, I'd have my best shot at keeping the job. So I got access actually before the meeting with the CEO to all of the market data that reflected past enrollment statistics across all of the individual colleges in that system over a 10-year period. And then I looked at uh, the internal organizational changes that had happened within the organization along that 10-year uh, enrollment cycle, in addition to highlighting some of the leadership uh, structures at each of the colleges. And I was able to put together this matrix of performance-related variables that affected the performance of each recruiting office over time. And I could project uh, predictably uh, based on all of those factors and trends. And, and so I used the word processor at the time, and I, I typed up an entire 20-page report with recommendations at the end. I remember staying up for three nights straight, and on the third full night of being awake, I then went to Kinko's when the, I was done with all of my pre-work. Uh, I got to Kinko's at 6 a.m., and I had uh, four copies of the report bound into presentation format. Um, the meeting was at 9 a.m. that morning, 
And I arrived at the corporate office early, um, dressed well, uh, exhausted, but confident with my reports in hand and related uh, improvement ideas. I, I sat in the waiting area, and, and the CEO actually had walked in. He, he looked at me and didn't even say hello and kept walking. Um, he did, however, say hello to the receptionist, <laughs> which added to the level of intimidation that I believe he was trying to put on me. Uh, when I was called in later for the meeting, the new executive who had hired me was there, uh, as was the new chief operating officer who um, left the college's board of directors to join the company in this senior in a senior operations role. That COO was confident, a uh, successful businessman in his own right, who had sold a business prior to joining the company. And at the start of the meeting, uh, we were talking beforehand, and the, the CEO um, wasn't ready. And I had found uh, that I had a number of things in common with the new COO. Uh, he was a former college athlete and previously studied the same type of karate that I had studied in, in my past. And, and in that short introduction, we formed a quick bond. Uh, the new executive who uh, hired me was not as confident, and he appeared very fidgety and, and was sweating uh, before the meeting started. Um, when the president was finally ready, there were no pleasantries. Uh, he simply uh, came in, sat down, and asked what I had to share with him. <laughs> and uh, so I pulled out the copies of the presentation, and thank goodness I had made one additional copy since that uh, new COO had also joined the meeting. Um, when I handed the presentation to the CEO, he stated very clearly that he hated bound presentations, and he proceeded to physically ripped the presentation apart, breaking the binding and tearing the nice plastic cover I had put on top, and then just uh, laying now this slightly damaged, these pages down on his large desk. And he had asked me just to summarize what it all meant. And I quickly started to share a number of my observations and uh, interpretation of what the data reflected and my analysis of the internal and external factors and what I had thought we should do. And he sat quietly in his chair and just stared at me for what seemed like an eternity. But my um, heart literally at the time felt like it was beating so hard that everybody in the room could hear it in the silence of that moment. But then he took off his glasses and he said in his deep intimidating voice with an awkward smile on his face, he said, let's look at this one, this one line and then let's look at it one line at a time. And he was very familiar with one of the high schools that I had outlined, which traditionally had sent a number of, of high school graduating um, students to our college, uh, which he then, um, you know, sort of, which it, it tapered off over a number of years. And he knew that. And he said, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that this enrollment has tapered off? And I mentioned that in my research, in my study, I found that there were a number of new uh, college uh, and career counselors hired at that school, which could affect loyalty. And at the same time, there was significant recruiter turnover at our college. And, and there was also a, a reduction in the number of programs that we offered, some of which were very appealing to students at that particular school. And there was a leadership change at our college. So all of these factors contributed to the decreased performance. And he said emphatically, yes, I've been telling people about the detriment of turnover. 
and the change and not addressing these factors um, expediently. And he said that um, he liked the analysis and he had asked me to take it to the next level and, and create a plan to address this across all of the colleges and their corresponding high school markets in my new role. And at that point, okay, I knew that I had the job. I knew that I had tamed <laughs> this mythical beast of a CEO. And also I had a fan in the new chief operating officer who would ultimately become the CEO uh, of the company when the existing CEO was forced out by the board. Uh, the new CEO also became my mentor. And unfortunately, that executive who had been uh, uh, brought in and who hired me was terminated a number of uh, weeks after that, that meeting. But this one moment of challenge and overcoming adversity helped me gain confidence and understand the dynamics of the workplace only three years after graduating from uh, my university. And it ultimately helped launch my career forward. So I shared this story because there will be a number of these career-defining moments that we will all face over and over in our working years and from which we will also grow. Some of them are painful and we don't like to remember them, but I think back to all of the experiences I've had and I try to journal and document um, each one of them and what I learned from them and what I can take as I move forward in my career or what I can share with others like I'm doing now. You know, I've been known to be a, just a constant worker, always, um, you know, sort of focused on something personal, professional, uh, trying to focus on, you know, my own exercise or whatever it is, just sort of always working on something. And so people ask why I seem to work so many hours. And uh, my family's always asked me, why, man, you're always working, even, even in the, the evenings. And the truth is that I'm always preparing for the future and for that next challenge or opportunity. I think career learning and readiness prepares us for the real world of work, whether that readiness was gained through our education, life experience, sports, the work, work history, from our parents, a mentor, or an internship. In this particular um, experience that I shared, I relied on everything I had done in my life to prepare at that point. And despite a tough and unpredictable situation, I was uh, still able to manage the challenge. Um, I think it's sometimes easier to understand my personal drive and my career development approach by looking at my background and experience as a minority immigrant from humble beginnings, trying to plan my own path to success while also gaining an understanding of conforming within society. You know, education played a unique role in my life and my career path and provided a bridge between the hopes and dreams of a young child to the life successes of, of a father and a, and a doctorate holder and a CEO. Uh, my career in education and my personal educational achievements uh, and my study of the field have given me deep insights and a level of of career confidence that I'll continue to share through these, these podcasts. 